Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, it's a beautiful day here in Connecticut. We have been having a wild winter. I'm Tom Wells and I, who lives in the Denver, Boulder, Colorado area, have been talking about it off and on periodically throughout the winter. He was complaining for the longest time that despite the fact that it's Denver and Boulder, they were having temperatures in the 60s during the winter. Well, now wow. he's got he's got 11 inches of snow on the ground after we had temperatures in the teens and 20s with, with deep snow. All our snow is melted, and now we're in the 70s today in February 21st. So this is a oh my weird, gosh. weird And winter. here I am in Dallas, and it's dropped down to 33, oh. and we're on day three of flash flood torrent rain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think they just flipped the whole country upside down. That's what it was. <laughs> Kind of like, you know, one of those um, magic eight balls where you shake it, shake it, shake it, and see what comes out? (laughs) It is decidedly so. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been an interesting day. In fact, I got to put on my my short sleeve shirt and my shorts and go out and take a walk, which was great. Um, It was also a good test, too, because I kind of twisted my knee or hurt it, pulled a tendon. I'm not sure exactly what, about a week and a half ago. So this is like my first good test, and, and it held up pretty well, so I was very pleased with that. Um, but I also was doing something during my walk today that I had not done before. Cindy Chavez, who, who of course, did the uh, morning podcast with me, uh, told me about a new exercise she's doing. She actually started it yesterday. She has taken on the challenge of repeating the affirmation, I feel rich, 1,000 mm. times a day. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Wait, now she's saying it a thousand times a day or she's her sa- affirmation uses the word a thousand times a day? She is saying it a thousand times a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How about that? Wow. <laughs> I am is, rich. Uh, so no, she's no, no, saying, no, no, no. I, I am rich. I, feel, I am rich. I am rich. I feel rich. I feel rich. Not I oh, am I rich. I feel rich. Because I feel it's easier to believe than I am. Mm-hmm. So she's going with I feel rich. And she she actually has a very clever idea that she used to help count it <laughs> because, you know, most religions have like rosary beads or something similar that uh, they use for counting, you know, prayers or whatever. And so she found uh, a Mardi Gras necklace and she's using the beads on the Mardi oh. Gras necklace as her way of counting. I guess it has something like 75 beads on it or something like that. So periodically throughout the day, she'll count out 75 of them and then 75 more and 75 more until she gets to a thousand. And she said it surprised her how little time it took her to get there. Well, I'm not really willing to do a thousand. I've got enough affirmations and exercises I'm doing. I don't need to add that, <laughs> but I decided I would try doing that and actually little variations to it during my walk. Interesting things happened. The first thing, like I, I mentioned before, my knee and, and my leg had been kind of giving me a hard time and it was a little tough for the first part of the walk, but I started doing that and then I started throwing in things like, I feel healthy, I feel well, my leg's working well, and I love this weather, and it's blue sky and sun, and I'm loving it. And I just started doing all these things, and I kept going back to, I feel rich, I feel wealthy, I feel powerful. And I started to feel better, like a lot better, Mm -hmm. in a very short period of time. I've never had that with affirmations before. There was something about this, maybe it was her success of getting a thousand in, I don't know, but whatever it was... All of a sudden, I started feeling better. I'm thinking, this is cool. i got to start using this kind of thing more often. So I that's my that. victory for the day. I found a way, for the first time in my life, I found a way to make affirmations work for me. Well, you know, a while back, I was uh, probably maybe two years ago, 
I had taken this Tony Robbins challenge and I was walking outside every day, a minimum of like, oh, 20 to 30 minutes. And he has a program of what you do for your first 15 minutes. Okay. He has three, three segments and you do this for step one, two, three. And so I was doing it. Well, part of it, I think the last part was talking about things you're grateful for, you know, just for five minutes, name everything you're grateful for. Well, what I found was because there's a, a definition in cadence when you're walking that you kind of start to speak in a cadence if you're talking out loud. And um, something I remembered from an a, a NLP course is, let's see if I can remember it, it's um, the unconscious mind likes rhythm and rhyme. Um, gosh, I can't remember it all, but it has to do with rhythm and rhyme. And if you speak in rhythm and rhyme, it's like your unconscious mind likes that. It's kind of like if you ever gotten an earworm where you just keep hearing something over and over. It's some song you heard last night. Right. Like I have a commercial mm-hmm. right now running in my head. You <laughs> oh, know, I it, feel it, sorry it for gets you. in there, and it, <laughs> it, there's just something very rhythmical about it yeah. and cyclical. Well, that that works a lot when you're walking because there's a natural rhythm to the pace of your walk, and so if you speak with the same rhythm, it tends to kind of stick in your thinking. And um, so I was doing it, and I was really enjoying the process, but I also started to recognize how, based on law of attraction, when you focus on something for as little as 17 seconds, um, another thought will be brought to you, you know, sponsored by the law of attraction. And then if you keep on it for another 17 seconds, you'll get another thought and another thought and another thought. Well, I started to notice how I might start with, like, let's say, I feel wealthy or I feel rich. I have one little mantra that I want to say. This was like part of step one. You find a mantra and you say it for five minutes. And I would notice that it would start to change on its own, kind of like what you were describing. Hmm. And I noticed it, and I really believe it's because law of attraction was giving me more than just my mantra. And I was willing to follow the impulse to go to the phrase that was coming to me instead of having to stick to the one, you know, very militantly, like, I feel wealthy, I feel wealthy, I feel wealthy, or I feel rich. If all of a sudden, it's like, I feel wealthy and rich, and my body feels wealthy and rich, and I feel healthy and wealthy and wise. It's like, whatever was coming to me, I let it just, because I felt like that's what my body and my being wanted to express. Very cool. And so it's really cool what you're talking about, because not only were you saying you were feeling better and, and healthier and stronger with your, your knee, but you were getting all these other phrases where you had only intended to start out with, I feel rich, I feel rich. And like, look how far you went with it. Yeah, it's true. And, and maybe that's what makes it work better for me, because there is an artificiality to just repeating the same canned phrase or phrases over and over again. And the artificiality just rubs me the wrong way. I know that for sure. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just the fact that I was free-forming it. Maybe that's why it worked. Hey, I say if it works, it works. It works. Yeah, that's right. If it works, it yeah. works. <laughs> you don't have to analyze no it to, to death, right? It. Mm-hmm. It's true. No need to so. question it. It's all good. It is. So I'm sitting you know. here enjoying 73-degree weather. That's my win today combined with uh, having a new way of doing affirmations that works for me. What's your win for the day? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I'm sitting here in fuzzy slippers and a really bulky sweater to keep me warm. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, the win is that you have them. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) My win for the day, 
um, I want to say, comes in the way of just, again, something that I noticed. Um, I was talking to a coworker today, and she's somebody that I'm very close to, and so I feel very comfortable sharing all sorts of things with her. And one of them I shared with her was Project X. And I actually started out by saying, I actually feel compelled to share this with you. Ooh. Like what we were, what she and I were talking about was work related. It had nothing to do with my Project X. And yet I just kept like having this strong, strong desire to share it with her. And so I didn't know how much I was going to share. I thought, well, I'll just see where this takes me. And I said to her, I go, you know what? I'm going to share something with you because I literally feel compelled to do so. And she's like, okay. And I've shared some very personal things with her in the past. And and she knows that I'm doing the, the podcast with you. And um, so I just kind of started talking and just sharing with her what I was doing. And she was very receptive to what I was saying. And because, you know, I don't even know where she stands on law of attraction. Don't even know she believes in it. <laughs> but I also know that I've talked about it before and she's never um, said anything that led me to believe that she like thought I was a quack or anything. So she's always been very supportive. So I just continued to talk. And by the time I kind of got to the end of what I shared with her, I said some things in a new way, in a way I've never articulated them before. And it felt so good, and I think that's the essence of what I want to share with, with you, is that I said, you know, this I'm, I'm declaring this as my test. Project X is my test with the universe and with the law of attraction. But I said what makes it so special and so unique is it's really all about me walking my talk. Because as a, a teacher of the law of attraction, to just regurgitate what other people have said about it or what Abraham says about it has its value. But to be able to say, here's my own personal life story and my experience with law of attraction is a very different level for me. And I said, I've experienced law of attraction manifesting things left, right, and all over within my life. But I said, I've never done anything like I'm doing right now. And I said, because this is something that what I desire is not as simple as where I can go online and look for a new coffee table. It's not something like I go to my Cigna Healthcare website and look for a new doctor. It's not something I can search for, which happens to be like my expertise. I'm really good <laughs> at searching for things. But I said this is something that when it manifests will not be because I have gone out to search for it, it's going to be because I have focused on it. And when it manifests, it'll be because the law of attraction delivers it to me, almost like it feels arbitrary. And yet I know it's not arbitrary because I've spent my time focusing on the desire of my heart, which I'm calling Project X. And in expressing it that way by saying, it will be delivered to me. And that's how it will be manifest. Felt so incredibly peaceful. Hmm. And I, I listened to her response and she said, wow, that would be totally walking your talk. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And it, and it just really... Um, it bolstered, it made bigger, it expanded, 
it made the whole doing Project X so exciting to me. You know, and I said, the worst that happens is it doesn't get delivered. It's not my li- like my life is going to end. But I said, I know it'll be delivered to me. I said, just like the podcast was delivered to me. One day I didn't know Walt, and the next day I did. One day I wasn't involved in a podcast, and the next day I was. It's like Walt was delivered to me. <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm very excited because Project X will just be delivered to me. And it feels so good, not only knowing that, but just finding a new way to say it. And then here's the next little ripple, if you will. The fact that I felt so compelled to share this with my friend, that's another signal and sign that I've had in my life, that when something's about to happen, I get so excited, I can't help but share it with those close to me. Oh. And so, yes, that's a big piece because I shared it with somebody outside of, like, my inner circle, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I've shared it with somebody who normally I wouldn't until it's or, until something like Project X would have already happened. Then I could share it. <laughs> but the fact that I shared it in advance, I even said to her, I said, so when Project X does get delivered to me and I share that with you, that here it is, it's upon me, I said, it'll be really fun that I will have already told you this, that I'm telling you today, where today I don't know exactly what pro- how Project X is, is going to come to me or what it's going to look like. I just know that this is what I'm focusing on. And then when it does materialize, it'll be so fun to tell you about it because we'll have a before and after story. Yeah, that's good. That oh my gosh, she said you will have such an incredible story to write. No, yes, I will. Very so good. That, that's my win for the day. That's it feels a great really one. Yummy. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And of course, you're you're teasing the heck out of us because we're all wondering what's going on with it. But nevertheless, <laughs> I never thought of myself as a tease, but maybe I am. <laughs> Well, very good. This, yeah, that's a that's a good warm up right there. I mean, we always spend some time doing our warm up with the winds, and that one just that feels warm. Of course, I'm sitting in a, a warm room for the first time this winter, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in a chilly room, but I feel really warm that's and right. cozy anyway. <laughs> Fuzzy slippers will do that. So, <laughs> so anyway, we were talking yesterday about the. Uh, we're in still part two of the law of attraction, the basics of the teachings of Abraham. And we're, mm-hmm. we were on the section that was entitled, Can I Instantly Reverse My Creative Momentum? Um, and I'm not really sure. This is one of the few times where I'm not really sure how it ties into the winds because you weren't reversing. You were accentuating your momentum. And it was a good one, not one that you wanted to reverse. So I don't know. Maybe we've, we finished reversing the creative momentum and maybe we go on to the next one because we did talk about it a bit yesterday. But I, I thought I'd give you the chance. Was there anything else you wanted to add to what we talked about yesterday, or should we just move on? Well, let's let's move on. But let's start with Jerry's part, which I know we read yesterday, but okay. just to let's put it in a complete package. Okay. So, uh, let's see. The next section is how can a person overcome disappointment, which is a good good topic. That's one that kind of you were kind of leaning toward that one a little bit because you said, well, if well it doesn't no, work, so are you not are you not going to finish up the how can I instantly reverse my oh you do want that I'm sorry I, I thought I misunderstood 
Okay, so you, you yeah. want, you uh, want to saying, basically... Re- we read a little bit of it yesterday, but let's repeat it because oh, we okay. didn't finish that, that well, piece. The, hey, I have no problem with that. That sounds good to me. Okay. So back to can I instantly reverse my creative momentum? Um, I'll do Jerry, you do Abraham? Sure. Okay. So Jerry says, let's say there are those who already have something going on from their previous thoughts, and now they decide they want to suddenly change the direction of their creation. Isn't there a momentum factor? Don't they have to first slow down what's already in the process of being created, or can they instantly create in a different direction? Which I know we said yesterday, that's something we all come into law of attraction trying to figure out how can we change what's in our life that we don't like. Especially (laughs) when we realize just how far in the wrong direction we've been going. (laughs) So Abraham's response is, there is a momentum factor caused by the law of attraction. The law of attraction says that which is like unto itself is drawn. So whatever thought you have activated by your attention to it is getting bigger. But we want you to realize that the gathering of momentum is a gradual thing. And so rather than trying to turn that thought around, consider focusing upon another thought. Let's say you've been thinking about something that you do not want and you have been doing it for a while. So you have a rather strong negative momentum going. It would not be possible for you to suddenly uh, begin thinking the opposite thought. In fact, from where you are standing, you would not even have access to those kinds of thoughts. But you could choose a thought that feels slightly better than those thoughts you've been thinking and then another and then another until gradually you can change the direction of your thoughts. So even there's still another paragraph, but I want to just kind of stop and take a pause there. Um, I got to tell you, when I first learned about this, I didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> yeah, I fucked the system because the, if I had something that I didn't like, and I knew I didn't like it, and I knew I wanted to change it, I didn't want to distract and think about something else because it's like my brain wouldn't even think about anything else. I couldn't even think of what else there was to think about, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm. But just to recall, that was my experience. Now, today I can do this a whole lot easier because I understand the momentum. But i got to tell you, Walt, I felt so desperate. And I mean, that's the right word. I felt desperate to turn the things around that I wanted to turn around. That at that time, I wasn't even willing to follow Abraham, hello, wisdom of the universe, <laughs> Abraham, um, in their suggestion of how I can turn it around. Because I didn't even like what it said. I can so, understand I don't that. Know. I, I can definitely what? understand that. Because I, I, I didn't quite have the same experience, but I had a very similar experience. For me, the experience was, I can't turn it around. And then when I read that I could return it around, then my mind rebelled against it because that violated what I already knew, that I can't turn it around. (laughs) (laughs) Which really makes a lot of sense. And I think that's really the value in you and I talking about what this, you know, reading the book and then sharing our own experiences because I'm sure I'm not the only person who was resisting the heck out of what Abraham was doing. Oh, heavens (laughs) no. So let's see what else they have to say. Another effective process for changing the direction of your thought 
is to change the subject altogether, deliberately looking for the positive aspect of something. If you are able to do that, and if while you are willing to try to stay focused upon that better feeling thought for a while, then since the law of attraction is now responding to that thought, the balance of your thoughts is now improved. Now, when you go back to revisit your previous negative thought, since you are now in a different mode of vibration, that thought will be slightly affected by your vibrational improvement. Little by little, you will improve the vibrational content of the subject that you choose to think about. And as then, as that happens, everything in your life begins to shift in a more positive direction. And, and as I had read the first part, actually it wasn't in this book, it was in another book of theirs that had a similar uh, sequence like this. But as I read the first part where they suggested that you could actually move your, that I could actually move my thought to a different pattern, to a different uh, focus and so forth, and that it wasn't dependent upon whatever was happening to me in terms of moving my emotional set point, because that's what I really worried about. I didn't worry that I couldn't change my thought. I worried that I couldn't change my emotion, that my emotions were subject to whatever was going on around me. I was, you know, I was helpless. I couldn't do anything about it. So suggesting that I could do something about it was blasphemy. <laughs> but when they got to the second part, <laughs> when they got to the second part and they talked about how you can change it a little bit at a time, that got my eyebrows up. Like, well, maybe there is a little something here. It's at least worth exploring because it sure would be cool to be able to do that. You know, it'd be great if I could actually do that. I know I can't, but... Well, I was going to say, cool. again, this was one of those ideas that I really couldn't digest in the beginning. Because even at their their consideration that you find, like, a different subject altogether to think about and think, of, you know, think about the positive aspects of this other thing, I was in such a negative place thinking about the thing I desperately wanted. I couldn't think anything positive about anything. And so looking at this from a, okay, here's a good exercise to, to do to, you know, help you to move in the right direction, to me was like, I threw my hands up in the air like, what, are, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> like, do you not understand where I'm at with this? This is not a good process for me. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I remember. And so for me, it was not a good process at the time of my life I was looking at it. I probably do this on a regular basis now. Mm, sure. I remember you the know, first time that, that I looked at it, it and considered it. I said to myself, all right, so you're trying to move your set point one little notch at a time. Well, I can see that's more conceivable, but God, that sounds like so much work. That's the way I <laughs> thought about it. It does take a lot of time. It takes um, a lot less time than I thought, actually. Like, <laughs> well, and if you were an impatient person like I was, I wanted instant results and I wanted big results. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, if I do the I exercise once, I want, I, 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 if I do it once, then I expect, okay, well, then the car better show up. <laughs> then where is it? <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's even something sometimes um, oh, difficult to express to a client you know, who they call because they're desperate and they want instant results. And I want to set proper expectations by letting them know this is not an instant get-rich-quick thing. You know, this is not something that, like, you put in an hour of time with me and poof, your whole life has changed. You know, you spend your whole life getting it to the place that it is where you don't like it. Well, I will tell you it's not going to take a whole lifetime to undo it, 
but it's not going to happen in a day or a session. And sometimes that's just not what they want to hear. And I have an intention that when they call me just on speculation to see if I'm a coach for them, my intention is unless they're willing to do the work, I do not want them to commit to being a client. That's good. That's a good policy. You know, and so when they never call me back, it doesn't surprise me. I just say, thank you, universe. That was not the client for me. <laughs> yep, there <laughs> because you go. even though, of course, it's nice to take their money, you know, and, and give them an hour of what I consider really valuable. But if they didn't get out of it what their expectations were, then they, they don't like me. I mean, even if they like me. But it's like <laughs> they don't like the process. They think it doesn't work. And I don't want them to have a bad experience. So I want them to go away and hopefully rethink it. And when they're willing to put in the time and make changes incrementally, then they'll make real solid changes. It's not all that dissimilar from what Sean Aker talks about in his TED Talk, where he he talks about how you come in to see a therapist and you have a problem. The therapist wants you to leave with 10 problems because then you're a customer for life. I've never heard that one. <laughs> really? You don't remember that one? You, you, well, you've seen the TED Talk, haven't you? The Sean Aker mm-hmm. one? Yeah, twice maybe. Oh, okay. Well, you got to revisit it. It's, first of all, it's hysterical. And it, second of all, it's only 12 minutes long, so it doesn't take a lot of time. But, I mean, the, the guy is clearly a guy with a very good sense of humor. Maybe that comes with a Harvard education. I don't know. But he has a good sense of humor. And one of, <laughs> one of the things he talks about is literally that, how in psychology and, and therapeutic circles, they want you to go away with 10 problems because you're going to be a, you're going to be a client forever. <laughs> when in reality, there are, of course, a minority, and, I, and they are truly a minority of therapists who don't take that attitude. They take the attitude you take with your clients, which is you come into work, and if you aren't willing to work, then I've got plenty of other clients to see. And it kind of puts your feet to the fire. You know, like you got to, you got to be willing to work and make progress here. In fact, that's what Louise ran into. Louise uh, was not only a therapist, but she was also in therapy, as often happens. Um, they actually uh, encourage therapists to be in therapy so they can know the process and they can also work on their own stuff. And I would not even select a therapist who wasn't in therapy. Mm-hmm. That was one of my interview questions when I was looking for a therapist. Was it? Okay. And the one who said, sense. oh, no, I'm not, I'd say thank you and we're done. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, the problem was that she had been in therapy with this one therapist who did like a, a Freudian gestalt approach where you basically just talk, 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 and the therapist doesn't hold you to anything. And she'd been with that therapist for like five, six years and made no progress at all. And she was mm-hmm. really getting tired of it. And mentioned it to a, a friend who was also a therapist and said, uh, you know, this, this, this whole approach is just not working for me and I'm not making progress and so on. And her friend said, well, let me recommend Carla to you, which is the therapist she ended up going to. And Carla was more like what you talked about, where, you know, okay, you're going to make progress. If you don't make progress, the door's over there. And she was done in two <laughs> years. I mean, she, she made more progress in two years than she'd made in five years. She, she completed her, her entire therapeutic process <laughs> and she started using wow. the same approach in her own pro- in her own practice as a therapist yeah so, I, I've yeah. had a, um, a, I remember a couple clients in particular that said to me you know after the first session they said oh my god where literally where have you been all my life <laughs> which you know that's a nice thing to hear but I listened to their stories and they had been in therapy for 10 plus years and I remember asking this one guy, I said, well, what did you go into therapy for? And he went, I don't even remember. <laughs> I said, well, what did you get out of it? He goes, I don't remember. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And yet he said, 
but one session with you and like this is a profound shift in my life. I mean, I feel real change. And then when he came back for the second session, he, we worked on something else. He went, oh, now I remember what I went to therapy for because that's what we're talking about now. And by the time he left his second session, he went, we're done. Like this subject is done in my life. And he goes, I literally spent 10 years and didn't go anywhere. And he goes, one session with you, boom, knocked it out of the park. And I'm like, huh. And, you know, I didn't I, – I, I don't want to make this sound stupid. I didn't know what I was doing, which I think was my advantage. <laughs> and when I say I didn't know what I was doing, I really did. But I wasn't doing it because I was educated in the psychological, sociological process. I learned a bunch of tools. They worked on me. I opened my door and said, hey, let's see if it'll work on other people. And it did. You know, and then I've, I've obviously developed, well, not obviously, but I have developed a little bit more savvy since then. And I have many more tools since, you know, I, my meager, humble beginnings. Right. But I was just thrilled when people said, oh, my God, I got the result that I came for. I'm like, huh, cool, glad. Let's do it again. Do you want to do yeah, it again? Right. <laughs> you, know, you have another something in your That's life right. you want to yeah. work on? <laughs> it, it reminds me of a story that Joel's told me a couple times. Because Joel, like you, he's he's also a certified life coach, but he's also a licensed therapist. So he does both, and he combines LOA with his therapy practice. Um, he got this one client who came in who had been in therapy for 15 years, he said. And the, the reason this person was in therapy was, in the client's words, his therapist had told him, or her therapist, I can't remember which was, had told uh, him or her that his or her father, I think, had sexually abused him, or her, I think it was a her, had sexually abused her, and that... Wait, there was, the therapist the, told the client? The therapist told the client, that's what the client said. The therapist told the client that it was very likely that her father had abused her and that oh. she needed to get to the bottom of it, to the root of it. And okay. Joel said, so how long have you been doing this? She, she said, 15 years. And he said, so are you done? <laughs> <laughs> and that ended that. <laughs> wow. Just saying, are well, you done? And I'll, I'll tell you, um, that just kind of reminded me of I had gone to see this therapist, I don't know, maybe eight, ten years ago. And I went with some very specific things I wanted to work on. And I only saw her for six sessions. And I want to say by session three, as she was kind of poking around at something, asking me questions having to do with my childhood and why did I feel this way, why did I feel that way, and what things might have happened that would have caused me to feel that way, um, it had to do with sexual intimacy and just some discomfort areas that I had around that. And she said, well, that sounds like a sexual abuse issue. And I said, well, I don't know of any situation in my life where that would have happened. She said, well, it might have happened before you even were aware. And I'm like, huh? And she had me, like, kind of search out my whole family history until I really was convinced that my cousin had sexually abused me when I was around six years old. Hmm. Completely, completely convinced. So much so that I called my mother and told her, what I believe. Now, these cousins are so far removed from my life, I don't, wouldn't even know how to find them. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was two brothers, but it was like only one of them um, that supposedly had sexually abused me. And I was like working really hard to convince my mother of this thing. And the reason I was working so hard to convince her of it is because here I was in my 40s, 
all of a sudden talking about something that this is the first time this subject ever came up. Mm. So, of course, it was hard to accept and believe. And then, I don't know, then after a couple sessions, I started to really distrust this therapist. And so I ended the therapy. Um, and then, I don't know, months later, I, I was thinking about this. And as I was like really, really thinking about it, I went, I don't think I was sexually abused at all. I think I was so open to her suggestions because once again, I found myself in a very vulnerable place where I felt kind of really desperate. I I keep using that word, but that's really something I have experienced a lot in my life where I felt really desperate to get through some things. And I was just really relying on her because she had a lot of good credentials and she seemed like I liked her and, you know, thought she could help me. And I think I just opened myself up to her her suggestions so much so that I think I made it very believable in my own mind. But I remembered what it felt like as I was listening to her and how I thought about it. And as I deconstructed it, I went, I really think I have such a really good imagination and I have a really powerful ability to believe what I believe that I just went down that road with her and let it be real until it wasn't. And then I went, I don't think that ever really happened. Well, I'm glad that so, you brought it to a stop because you, you probably would have manifested something you didn't want. So congratulations uh, you, on good stopping. Good point. Good point. Because I was really deeply focused on that for, you know, at least a month. Mm. And it was really disturbing to me. Oh, yeah. You know, and what I now know, because I didn't know law of attraction at that time, but what I now know is to have the feelings of something that felt so disturbing to me and brought me so much pain was something that my inner being wasn't thinking about that. My inner being was not focusing on that stuff. And even if it ever happened, who cares? Because I wasn't really experiencing any trauma from it. The, whatever traumas she was trying to like help me with, I eventually resolved on my own through my own methodologies. And clearly, so somebody who sex- clearly somebody who has been sexually abused, it does matter. I mean, it's very very important because you know who cares? Well, obviously they care. There's a lot to, to care about there, and they, they have to move through that. But your point is valid that it wasn't affecting you, and as long as it wasn't exactly. affecting you, that's the key point. If, if it wasn't affecting you, why why focus on it? What's the point? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that was just a bizarre story. I haven't thought about that in ages. <laughs> it, it, it kind of took us off the topic a little you know, bit. Law of Attraction does this. We talk about something, and it'll bring another thought to you of a kind. That's true. That's very true. I wonder if it ties into the next subsection now that I think about it. I, it, it might. Well, let, let's let's try, let's play with it and see what it is. The next subsection is how can a person overcome disappointment? Okay. And it says Jerry, uh, starting first, he says for the individual who is trying to make a severe switch in the positive direction of their prosperity or of their health, if they already had a momentum factor going the other way, how much faith or belief would it take or would it require for them to overcome their disappointment and say, well? I know this is going to work out for me, even though it hasn't worked yet. That one feels tough. Well, you know, it's, when it's, you've been it's, disappointed it's, a lot, it's, it's really hard to yeah. have someone say, okay, but this one won't disappoint you. I promise. Like, really? 
Well, let's listen to what Abraham's answer is because it might uh, open Alrighty. the door a little bit. It says, you see, from your point of disappointment, you are attracting more to be disappointed about. Good point. An understanding of the process of creation is really the best way. That is the value of the creative workshop, of getting happy, and then going to a place where you see it as you are wanting it to be, seeing it until you are believing it so clearly that it is already bringing forth emotion. And from that state of being, you will attract it as you want it to be. Disappointment is communication from your inner being, let, letting you know that that which you are focused upon is not what you want. If you are sensitive to the way that you are feeling, then the disappointment itself will let you know that what you are thinking about is not what you want to experience. Not quite the well, way that we really thought tie in, That does tie into what I was saying. How so? I mean, I wasn't talking about disappointment, but it's like when I said when I was focusing on thoughts of having been sexually abused, it was just horrible. And I just felt horrible. Um, and that was my sign that my inner being is not focused on this stuff. So okay. I had led myself down a negative track, and my inner being is like, whoa, you're going the wrong direction. That's not the way we want to go. How you know that inner being is guiding you is because you feel better. You feel a sense of relief. So even Things though it was a disappointment, it was still a negative feeling and, and – Actually, all, all the negative feelings are fairly similar anyway. So the same rule applied even though it wasn't disappointment. It was negative. That was the main thing. So mm -hmm. you, you learned that that's, no, that's not what you want. You wanted something different. And, you know, it's such a key, key element to point out that regardless what negative emotion we're feeling or experiencing, it always indicates one thing. We are not thinking the same way our inner being thinks. Now, why is it important to think the way your inner being thinks? Because your inner being is feeling and thinking based on everything we've ever desired. Everything about who we want to become is what our inner being is holding on to. And so if we are feeling negative in any, any way, shape, or form, with any kind of emotion, whether it's fear, revenge, anger, disappointment, um, you know, despair, those are feelings that are contrary to how we want to feel, contrary to what we want to create. And so those feelings are actually all indicators of the gap between where our inner being is thinking on a subject and what we're now focusing on that same subject. And when there's a big gap, there's always going to be a negative feeling. When okay. the gap is smaller, the emotion that we feel is lessened. When we feel just a little bit annoyed, our, the gap between what we're thinking about and what our inner being is thinking about on the same subject is not that big of a difference. And when we're feeling kind of hopeful, well, we're getting closer to how our inner being is thinking. When we move towards optimism or positivity, we're moving even closer to how our inner being is thinking on a given subject. And when we're feeling joy, appreciation, love, exuberance, passion, we're thinking exactly how our inner being is thinking. And we talked about this about, I'm, say, I'm going to say a week or two ago, I don't remember exactly when it was, but this whole concept of the alignment between 
the physical being and the inner being between who I am physically and who I am as an inner being. And the, the observation that Abraham made that made a big difference to me, which is the inner being always is looking at everything about what's going on in our lives in the most positive light, in the most joyous, happy light that you can possibly look at it. And so that's how we can be sure that the emotions that we're feeling are true indicators of how in or out of alignment we are. Because it, when, when you have a, a baseline like that, and the baseline is the inner being is always looking at us joyously. It's always like that. So you can count on that position, so to speak. When you have that as a baseline, it becomes very easy to use an emotion of as a way of measuring how far in or out of alignment are you. If you're feeling really bad, you're way out of alignment. If you're feeling great, you're feeling right in alignment. If you're feeling a little uh, bit off but you're still feeling positive, you're mostly in alignment, just like you were saying. You can trust it. That's what I'm saying. You can trust it. I finally found a way to trust what my emotions were telling me by understanding that concept. And so that's I'm, why Abraham calls it our emotional guidance system. I mean, it's our it's our GPS, and the GPS, instead of it being a little box on our, uh, you know, the screen of our, our car, it's something we feel inside. We carry our GPS with us everywhere we go. However we feel is our GPS. It's letting us know whether we're moving toward or whether we're moving away from that which we desire, so that which that will make, make us happy. I guess that makes it our EGS. <laughs> if, we're, if we're going to abbreviate it, it's the EGS, right? <laughs> well, I never thought about changing the initials, Walt, but I think you're right. It's our EGS. It's the EGS. Our emotional guidance system. That's right. <laughs> you all heard it here, brought to you by That's LOA right. Today. It's now your EGS. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of which, I do want to take a moment to remind everybody, first of all, subscribe and share if you haven't done that. The instructions are right on the homepage at LOAToday.net. I won't even give you the whole sales pitch on how to do it. You can just go right there. It tells you how to do it. It leads you through it. It guides you through it. It's so darn easy. If it was any easier, a kindergartner would be doing it. The second thing is I want to remind you about the Tuesday night calls that, are, that we're doing now every Tuesday night. Tom Wells and I are making it possible for people who can't call in during the afternoon or the morning shows, call in during the evening when you have time. So Tuesday night shows, that's what that's for. And I also want to remind people about the book that's coming out. We're in the process of editing it right now. It's going to be ready to go to, to uh, publishing in, in a couple weeks or less, I think. It's going to be pretty quick. And when that happens... Listeners of this program are going to be able to get a free copy of the ebook. So keep listening. And that's the end of the commercial message. But since you mentioned the commercial <laughs> message, I thought we should include it, don't you think? <laughs> well done. Yes, I totally agree. And that was well done. And you know, I don't know if you're aware, but you, I know you have a clock in front of you, but I do too. And it's like you almost always do the commercial break 20 minutes before the top of the hour. <laughs> it's either 20 before or 20 after the, the top of the, the first part of the hour. It's one or the other. And, and I, I don't know why I end up doing that way, but I do. <laughs> just, it's just, it works. It, it works. You know, it's like, well, whatever it takes. <laughs> So, okay, well, we got about 20 minutes left. I think we have time to go into the next section, unless there's more yeah, you want I to talk about do. disappointment. Let's do it. All right, so next section. What causes worldwide waves of unwanted events? Say that one three times fast. Worldwide waves Ooh. of unwanted events. What causes them? Jerry asks, over the years, I've seen TV newscasts. That's his first mistake. He should stop watching the TV newscasts. But, sorry, my editorial opinion. 
Over the years, I've seen TV newscasts or whatever that report the hijacking of an airplane or a terrorist act or a severe case of child abuse or a mass murder or something negative like that, and then I'll see an almost worldwide wave of these events beginning to occur. Is that brought on by the same process? Do you want to read the, the uh, answer from Abraham? Sure. So Abraham says, attention to any subject amplifies it because its attention to the subject activates the vibration of it and the law of attraction responds to the activated vibration. Those who may be planning the hijacking of an airplane are adding power to that thought. But those who are frightened by the prospect of a hijacking are also adding power to that thought. For you add power to those things you do not want through your attention to them. Those who have a clear intent, let me say that again, those who have a clear intent to not draw any sort of negative attempt, uh, negative information into their experience are probably not watching the broadcast to begin with, you see. Mm -hmm. There are so many different intentions and combinations of intentions that it's difficult for us to point out in general how one would bring it about. Certainly these newscasts add to the situation. For as much or more people are focused, for as more and more people are upon what they are not wanting, they are adding to the creation of what they do not want. Their emotional power is adding great influence to all, to, to the overall events of your world. That is what mass consciousness is about. That is a sobering piece of information to receive, I find, particularly if you're an activist type personality, which I was for many, many years, that's a sobering piece of information. And it's a, it's a tough one, especially if you have that activist mentality, the mentality that says, well, I got to do something, you know, the world is going to heck in a handbasket. I got to do something. Mm -hmm. Having to face up to the fact that the more that I do something about the world going to heck in a handbasket only leads to more going to heck in the handbasket. But I think, and I think it's just really fascinating to recognize, I mean, because this talks about the power of one individual's thought added to another one individual's thought added to one other individual's thought. So if you think about, like, the news media, if they have a broadcast that, let's say, hits a million people for the evening news, I mean, it might be a whole bunch of different broadcasters, but they're pretty much all broadcasting the same, you know, let's say, horrific world event that just took place. That's a lot of people placing their focused attention on whatever world event just occurred. Very true. And if that event goes on for any length of time and people keep adding more thoughts and more focused attention on that subject, it keeps growing to such a point that it really makes it hard to turn it around or slow it down. Now, I'm thinking of like a weather-related event. So if you have like a tsunami or a hurricane or like in Texas, we had Texas and um, Florida and I think Cuba, you know, we had the hurricanes, you know, a number of months ago. Right. That was what I would call a sort of a timed event in that it happened for a finite period of time, although those who went through it wouldn't have thought of it as finite. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. there, there did there was a beginning and an end. And then, of course, there's the destruction of property, and so then there's the beginning of the recovery. And the 
eventually it comes to an end, which I know it's not yet there, but it's kind of like the news media, they kind of, they, well, they do. They let up on their uh, broadcast of it once the storm has come and gone. And they might do one day of the aftermath and what it's going to take for the recovery. But then they kind of stop covering it in most part. They might come back and hit a day or two of how recovery is going. But it kind of leaves our our consciousness, if you will, in a predominant way. But if you look at something that is like bigger, like let's say a world war or what any of the wars have been in place, when that is something that you see on the news day after day after day after day after day, it feels as though there's no end in sight. And a person who watches the news, what are they to do? If they're dependent upon what the news makers bring to them, well, and that's, that's an interesting perspective because it has to do with, are you living your life by the default of your environment because you're placing yourself in an environment where you're inundated with messages that are are not serving you? Or is that a good time to choose to turn the TV off or to limit yourself? You know, maybe cold turkey is too hard, but limit yourself to, you know, just maybe one morning broadcast and let it be it for the day or an evening broadcast or whatever. Um, But it's like we get to choose the environment that we're surrounded by, and we get to choose television stations and radio stations and you know, um, Facebook stuff and um, home pages on our on our internet. You know, like I do not have the home page set when I open a browser to the news. Heaven forbid. Oh, me neither. And and you're absolutely right. In fact, as I think back, the war on poverty started in the 1960s, and as did the war on racism, and then you have the war on terror that started in the 1980s the war on drugs that was the 1970s and not one of them has gotten better mm. <laughs> i mean ultimately in fact uh the only thing that that has improved that there there has been improvement i would say in race relations but i don't think it's because of the war i think it's in spite of it because those who are i, I think it, it's because they're dead the well, there, that, that the, helps too yes <laughs> a lot of them are dead and and they're they're the new ones that are coming in they have not received the propaganda of racism. But but some have, and the ones who have are continuing the ongoing battle, which, whichever side they're on, either. I mean, because ultimately, what, I don't want to get too much deeply into this, but ultimately, any attention to it is in itself a perpetuation of it. And mm-hmm. when you look at it that way, you realize the only real solution is to stop paying attention to it. Because once that happens, mm-hmm. then you make it possible to start manifesting better race relations. And there have been a lot of people who have done that. Well, the same thing is true for a war on terror, war on drugs, war on poverty. You want to stop paying attention to the war on, on drugs. What's going to happen is drugs are going to start receding as a problem. Will they instantly go away? Probably not. There's a lot of momentum going on there. It's going to take a little while to turn it around. But it will turn around. And that's a hard lesson. That's a really hard lesson. Well, but when you really understand the truth behind how things actually get propagated in our world, you can get on board with the right side of it. So, like, I'm just going to repeat this one sentence, which is those who have a clear intent to not draw any sort of negative information into their experience are probably not watching the broadcast to begin with. 
And I'll I'll second that one in a big way. Joel was the one who got me involved in this about a year and almost two years ago. He gave up watching news, and I had actually done that back in the late 1980s. In fact, I did it for about a three to four year period, and I was so good at it that, believe it or not, Wendy, I was not aware that the wall had come down in Europe. <laughs> it was just wow. I, I had not. I, it was a year later that I found out that the wall came down. I was that oblivious because I wasn't paying attention to the news. It was the only good piece of news during that period. I missed out on all the bad stuff. I did miss that one, but I missed all the bad stuff, too. So it was a good trade. And I did find out about the wall eventually. So that was good, too. But two years ago, Joel decided he was going to do a complete news blackout. And a couple months later, I followed him on it. And I had forgotten how good it, fe- I had forgotten how good it feels not to be inundated with all that negativity. Because there's a lot of negativity Particularly today. Today, the way that news is reported compared to, say, 30 years ago, I mean, it was bad enough 30 years ago. Today, it's like hammering home the worst aspects of every single negative thought you can have about whatever the worst possible issue is. And, and they, they just hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. To get away from that is a relief. It's an unbelievable it relief. So, I mean, if you have to wean yourself off it, then go ahead and wean yourself off. But I'd say if you feel like you could try to do it, Go for the cold turkey. It is great. It is a wonderful feeling to not have all that stuff hitting you. You're, you're, you actually feel lighter every day, and you start to notice it within like a week. It doesn't take long before you start to notice that, wow, I'm feeling a lot better. So, I mean, it's you not know, for everybody perhaps, but I would totally recommend it for those who have an inclination to go that way. I, I, pretty, I don't listen to the news at all, or at least I don't make the intention to listen to the news. Sometimes walk through a place and you hear the news but I don't like purposely turn it on but what's interesting is how I got to this point was not cold turkey as a matter of fact you know we were talking a little while ago a little while ago about making small incremental steps and then over time you get huge progress right what I started to notice is yeah I'd have the news on in the background I, I didn't really tune into the news but if it was there I listened to it or just allowed it to kind of go inside my head. Because I was starting to pay closer and closer attention to how I felt, I started noticing I didn't feel good or something felt uncomfortable or something I felt anger or resentment or some emotion would pop up. And then I started asking questions of myself, what on earth caused this to happen? And I was finding time after time, I'd go, I'd look at the news that was on the TV. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's what's causing that. They just talked about an earthquake or they just talked about a bombing or something that I didn't like. And so I just, I started just making a practice of turning it off. But what I thought was fascinating is my EGS, my emotional (laughs) guidance system, was actually leading me to the recognition that the news was not positively affecting me. It was negatively affecting me. Very nice. Yeah, and so little by little, every time I'd hear something, ooh, that doesn't feel good, boom, flip the channel. You know, and even if it's just a regular program that wasn't the news, sometimes, you know, the the cop shows or the the reality cop shows or the cheater shows, I'm like, ooh, that doesn't feel good. My EGS was signaling me, and I went, okay, I don't want to watch that either. And so, like, you know, people talk about flipping the TV guide or flipping the TV uh, channel changer, mm-hmm. the remote. 
I kept flipping it till I found something that had a sense of peacefulness or happiness inside of me. And I'm like, oh, my EGS is working. This feels so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's great when so. you can find something like that, too. One other uh, route that you can take if you're looking for an intermediate way to desensitize and get yourself off of the news addiction is to take advantage of Google. Because Google, in addition to its regular search engine, has a news search engine called Google News. Um, it's news.google.com. That's how you can get to it. And what you can do is use that as a way to just give you a way to see what the headlines are. Don't click on any of it. Mm. Just peruse it so you can see what the headlines are. And now you f if, if you have a need to feel like you have to stay informed, okay, you're now informed. You haven't been inundated with all the negativity, but you're informed. And so that's mm. like a, a nice intermediate step to take. I find that even with that, I mean, I will. I am limiting myself now to checking for basically two things in the news. I'll, I'll do a Google search for these because I don't even want to have to scan the whole Google news page. The first one is what's going on with the Mueller investigation because I just think the whole thing is a great soap opera and fun to watch. And then beyond that... The what? The who investigation? Oh, the guy who's investigating uh, whether or not there was uh, Russian uh, interference in the 2016 election. This is the special prosecutor who's, who's doing the investigating of that. Oh, okay. Got it. And then the other thing I check, because I'm a New York Yankee fan, is the Yankee news. That's it. I don't check anything else. <laughs> the rest of it, like, blow it away, you know. And I, I mean, I'll see stuff periodically on Facebook, like, oh, yeah, there's something going on over there. Okay. But I just blow it off. And even if I see something that I know is just some horrific event, instead of allowing myself to get drawn into it, I remind myself the last time I did that, I felt miserable. It didn't help me at all. And all I did was feed in to more of that negativity by paying attention to it. I'm not going to do it this time. And, you know, what you just talked about is changing a behavior. And you, to me, to make that behavior change, you've got to have a compelling reason why, which you just said, which is because you like feeling good. And the other one is you have to be persistent because curiosity is one of the biggest um, instigators, if you will, in pulling us down a rabbit hole that we don't want to go. Right. Because we're just curious. We just, we're just curious and we think we can dip our into listening to something negative just to get our curiosity satisfied. Mm -hmm. And long mm -hmm. before you know it, you're completely dragged in, inundated, and you're like, oh, crap, this is not what I wanted <laughs> to do. So I know for me, I've allowed myself or I've started to teach myself to recognize, oh, this is a curiosity pull. I'm being pulled in through curiosity, but not even because I truly am interested you know, and then I remind myself, and where does curiosity get you if you're not following your inner being's leading? I'm like, yeah, news, you're not somewhere good. Okay, can I let it go? Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> That's a good thing. We, we only have about uh, 40 seconds left, so, so I can't give justice to what I want to say, but I'll say this. The headline writers have gotten really good at writing really anger-building headlines and what i've learned most of all about them all the headlines almost never match the content of the article don't get sucked in isn't that infuriating <laughs> just don't get sucked in like i'm done with that enough of that guys anyway we're done for today i hope you enjoyed it i hope you're coming back tomorrow i know i am are you coming back tomorrow wendy of course i am of course don't even you are so we're inviting everybody back tomorrow and we hope you're here as well here on loa today goodbye everybody Bye-bye now.